0: Tuesday, October twenty third. Welcome to Market Fullery. I'm Chris Helen. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool one, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Inside Value, Uncle Joe Maker. Good to see you guys. Howdy, Addy. Happy Tuesday. Uh, there are a lot of technology companies having events this week, unveiling new products. Apple is one of those companies. They're unveiling the uh, uh, allegedly. The rumored iPad Mini later Rumor today. Has it. it's gonna be a great holiday season. We're uh, we're taping this before that, so tune in to tomorrow's Market Foolery, and we'll and we'll be able to just dissect everything about the iPad Mini.
1: Unless we had just like a Market Foolery after hours, where we just can't. Hold back. We've got to talk Apple. Nah, I guess we
0: won't do that. If we have motley fool, if we have market foolery after hours, there needs to be alcohol involved. Uh, hey, but we're going to plow ahead with earnings palooza. We've got earnings from Yahoo, Coach, and Radio shop But we're going to start with uh, some of the big Dow companies. Uh, as of this taping, the Dow is down nearly two percent. That's more than two hundred forty points, and that's not surprising when you consider that three Dow stocks reported earnings this morning, and all three had bad news. Uh, United Technologies. <laughs> Third quarter earnings fell. They cut their forecast. 3M cut its profit forecast for the full year. And chemical company DuPont, uh, the big winner, or loser, I should say, down more than 8% after profits came in lower than expected. And they're also cutting about 1,500 jobs. There is a lot of red out there today, Jason.
1: Don't cupcake it, Chris. (laughs) Don't cupcake it. It is. There's a lot of red. Job cuts, uh, revising guidance down. I mean, it, it does seem like it's you know, it's funny. We see something like a Caterpillar or a Joy Global recently, where they they see some sort of you know shoots coming out of the ground. Uh, but then you you see the the earnings uh, announcements today, which which kind of make you feel like maybe we're not quite out of the woods yet. Interestingly enough, though, to counter that, I, I did see where Whirlpool raised their guidance significantly. They're seeing big time sales to builders, which is I, I I can't help but wonder if that's not a harbinger of things to come for the housing market. Um. They're they're gonna realize some savings in, in production costs as well. So so there is a little good news out there to go with the bad. But yeah, it seems like the bad outweighs the good today.
0: Joe, what do you think? Because uh, not to force you into a corner, but um, th- of the three I mentioned, three... nobody
1: forces baby.
0: In a corner. <laughs> nobody puts baby in a corner. Three uh, M <laughs> is uh, is an inside value uh, recommendation. Yeah. Um, I- what do you think when you look at uh, all the red ink and again these are these are not the sexiest companies in the world but they are dow components they are you know depending on the industry they are bellwethers to one degree or another Uh, what do you think when you look at this news
2: yeah you have to look at the individual companies and kind of break down the numbers a little bit as obvious as that sounds but you do have to look past the headlines for some of these so in the case of dupont the reason it's down 9% is company just isn't performing well. It's not a macro thing. It's a company thing. It's not me. It's you. And they have some serious issues that it sounds like they're going to be working through. And you know that it's going to be an ugly quarter when the first sentence coming off the press release is basically talking about restructuring. Um, when you look at 3M, and I think we'll be talking about UPS later, even Google – uh, earlier this week, or late last week, you look at these companies, <clears throat> and a lot of the challenges is currency headwinds. And that is a generally one-time thing, you know, at The Fool. We don't really prognosticate currency swings over the long-term, and tend to view those as just being short-term blips. And in the case of 3M, Google, um, you know, again, just kind of got hit in the nose by currencies moving against them this quarter. That isn't a long-term issue when you look underneath that. The businesses are doing fairly well. You know, 3M has different, I mean, it's such a huge company. Uh, healthcare is doing well, but they're also involved in uh, in screen technology, which mm-hmm. isn't doing well because it's a total commodity. But overall, I think it's a pretty sound business, and I think, you know, the stock keeps pulling back. It's a business I'd love to own more of.
0: Uh, I want to sort of broaden the scope and look at the Dow as an index in just a moment. But Joe, let's let's stick with UPS for a moment. When when you look at that company, that's another one out there that that people use that uh, as um, a bellwether, a proxy, if you will, for g- the global economy for shipping. Yeah. Uh, you know, again not the sexiest of companies, but it's certainly, it's a company that matters when you're talking about taking the temperature of how businesses are doing. What stood out to you in terms of UPS, whether it was good or bad?
2: Yeah, well, another thing when you're breaking these companies down is kind of look at their revenue mix geographically. So, not surprisingly, companies with a lot of exposure to Europe aren't just getting hit with bad currency right now, but Europe isn't performing all that well. Yeah. And in the U.S., Uh, UPS actually saw more than three percent, almost four percent increase in uh, number of parcels served up. So they're moving more goods here. Asia was better than expected. Uh, Latin America is strong consistently at a lot of the companies I'm looking at. So you know when you kind of read between the lines a little bit and see some of those points, I think overall there's a, a case for optimism here. And you know with UPS, it's a business I'm very happy with. I think it's
0: reasonably reasonably valued, and I love the price. Uh, Jason, uh, I'll just be blunt. Is it time for the Dow Jones Industrial Average just to go away as an index? Uh, And I I realize (laughs) it's not going to go away as an index, but it seems like, compared to the S&P 500, it's just not as good a proxy for how the market is doing overall. When you have, in this case, it's three companies, but we've seen days where just one company, uh, yeah, I think it was last week that IBM single-handedly dragged down the Dow Jones industrial average if you had pulled it out and just let the other 29 companies uh, see their results for the day. The Dow is up for the day, but IBM single-handedly brought it down. When you think about uh, your investing strategies and how you approach the market, how do you factor the Dow into your thinking, or do you not factor it in at all? I don't. I just don't. I mean to me the Dow
1: is it's the headline maker because it's all of these companies that historically hold some weight. Uh, in our perception of what's going on in the economy, but it, it's not necessarily indicative of what's going on out there uh, in in you know day to day life for most of us. And I think that's the beauty of the S and P five hundred is is that it is such a a, a greater scale, a wider uh, a wider sort of sampling of companies out there, and give us a better uh, indicator. And so I think it's more important to pay pay attention to the S and P. But it, it's also not to say that the S and P is is you know the only option out there. But but I do feel like uh, understanding your measuring stick is is important uh, in your investment strategy and to just base it on the dow I think is, is probably not the fairest way to do it.
0: Joe?
2: Yeah, I mean the dow is a relic. I think if there's a lesson here though, it's that everyone in the industry knows that and I don't know any <clears throat> professional investor who benchmarks against it. Yet, it's still the top item on almost every financial media news site that you go to. And it's because it's something that's been around for a long time and people are familiar with it. So, if anything, it's just a testament to the value of brands and how something like a Dow Jones or a Coca-Cola is very durable and can last for a very very long time beyond what you think is reasonable even if it's a bad product not in the case of coke which is delicious (laughs) but the dow jones
0: shares of yahoo hit a 52-week high today after the company's latest quarterly results uh joe the the sale of alibaba helped with the results but Mm. apart from that earnings seem to look pretty strong on their own yeah i thought it was a great call (laughs) great call marissa mayer um
2: meyer sorry was very impressive uh She clearly has a great read on the business. This is her
0: first conference call as CEO.
2: Yes. Compared to Larry Page's first call as CEO, which was basically a (laughs) drive-by, it was awful. (laughs) This was a very solid performance. She probably learned some lessons from Larry there, among other things they're learning. But Meyer was a perfect fit for this job because she's great with search, she's great with design, and she's great with people. That's something that she was kind of under underrated at Google, but she was integral at recruiting and developing young talent there. And she's taken that mindset over to Yahoo and focused on making it a place where people actually want to work as obvious as that sounds. You know, in tech, basically, you're only as good as the people that are working for you. And if you have a rising or sinking brand, that's going to either bring or detract from the amount of brainpower coming to you. And she has reversed the tide there and said they're now getting smarter
0: people coming in and applying at Yahoo than that a few months ago, which is promising. Jason, it seems like, you know, any CEO is going to get a honeymoon period but it seems like her honeymoon period is possibly going to last longer than say Ron Johnson over at J.C. Penney. <laughs> Meyer <Rizzo-Meyer laughs>
2: has babies on her honeymoon period. No. Sure
0: um, yeah, I mean it 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 just seems like while there was there's there was going to be pressure for any incoming CEO at Yahoo, it seems like she's handled it well. It seems like these this first quarter's results um have extended that honeymoon period for her, and, and I think, to, to Joe's point, it seems like, for the first time, frankly, in a long time, there's some optimism around Yahoo. She's
1: an optimistic-looking person, Chris. Have you seen her? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's an optimistic-looking gal, and, and that, I think, is a big deal, and I think that's why they're going to give her a little bit of leeway there, uh, bringing in a, a good quarter this quarter, I think, was... A great first step for her, a necessary first step, really, to be able to frame this in a positive. And she is optimistic. I mean, she's really focused on the personalization of the of the site, uh, offering more in the way of mobile services. And you know, to to use the quote, she's she's looking to delight their customers. And I think that's a big deal. They're trying to make their user experience as friendly and personal as possible. And I think that's important. And I think she's doing a great job of bringing in some big guns there to help with that. Um, you know, bringing in some talent from Google, I think that's important. I think that we're going to look to see more spending on R and D over the long haul. We've talked about that before. How Yahoo is a company that really uh, just sort of fell off a cliff in spending. You know, investing in the business, they weren't investing in the company and the business and its future, and revenue just followed suit. Uh, so I expect to see more of that down the road here, and I expect to see a real big focus on mobile, because that, I think I think that's where a big opportunity lies.
0: Joe, yeah. I want to get to the stock in a second, but you, you were telling me something earlier today um, that uh, one of the things that she had put in place already, you know, and let's be clear, she hasn't been there that long. It's only been a few months, but she's already put in a plan in place with all employees to align their individual goals yeah. with company goals, and it is at what, 93% or something like that?
2: Yeah, I thought it was a very interesting stat. 93% of people, employees at Yahoo, now have individual quarterly goals that are aligned with the company's strategic goals. And she said she wants to get that up to 100%. And just the fact that they have gone through the trouble of road mapping with everyone who works at the company, yeah. how their goals are personally and whether they align with the company's, I think that's very sharp. I don't Think most companies go to that level of detail and then to break it out and count it. I, I'm definitely impressed with that.
1: And I think it's really important. Joe made a, a note there of of creating a place where people want to work. And as quickly as companies are to as quick as companies are to say that. I think it's a lot easier said than done. It's right. more or less just a party line, as we want to create a place where people want to be. Most of the time, it's the opposite, and people are kind of trying to figure out a way to get out of there. But uh, if she can, if she can really pull that off and create a place where people enjoy being, and I mean, I think we we are a great example here at the Motley Fool. We're most of, if not everyone, you know, here in this building is happy to come in here every day in work because it's it's just a great environment. We're doing what we love to do, and if she can create that kind of environment, uh, success is almost automatic from there. So this is a little bit of a tangent. But I'm going to throw, like, kind of a
2: wild... If we were doing a Dark Horse or Wild Card segment here, sure. I'd throw this out. Last night, Search kept coming up on the call. On oh, the conference call? Yeah, and for fairly obvious reasons, right? Like, Yahoo is one of the, you know, original gangsters of Search. And they've kind of seeded that ground. They more or less outsourced Search to Microsoft and Bing. But uh, Marissa Meyer said on the call that she was eager to boost their share and not just... A lot of people have been defining Bing's market share now as Bing plus Yahoo together, but she was clear in saying she doesn't want Yahoo's search results or market share in search to keep falling at the expense of Bing. Like she wants it to grow, yeah, you know, on their own terms. And she does care about search. And when you layer that over with her background working at search in search at Yahoo, or I'm sorry, at Google, it definitely makes me wonder: like, are they going to get back into doing their own search when this? bing deal ends and it sounds like a distinct possibility which would be a big loss for microsoft
0: all right definitely something to keep our eyes on let's just wrap up on the stock because when you look at the stock it's up today based on this quarter joe but you look out over the last three years or so, even even slightly more than that. And this is a stock kind of like we were talking last week about Johnson & Johnson, where Johnson & Johnson were trading in this range of about $8 from you know, the low 60s to the high 60s. You look at Yahoo for more than three years, it's been in this range from basically 10 to the teens, to the high teens. What, what's it going to take for it to sort of break out and, and start to move in that upward trajectory that I'm sure everyone wants to see.
2: Yeah. Organic revenue growth. I mean, they have a great balance sheet, and that's what has kept the stock from falling further south. But they need to demonstrate that they are taking all that talent that they've gotten, by talent, I mean traffic, and transitioning that into something that they can actually make more money and grow off of. And if they can do that, I think the stock will take off.
0: Shares of Coach had been trailing the market by more than 20% this year, uh, year to date. Uh, but, Jason, it got some of that back this morning. First quarter earnings up 3%. Um, uh, apparently, international sales are looking pretty good. They are. They're looking really good.
1: I think that for all of the selling that's been going on with Coach over the past quarter, uh, last quarter, they they announced that they were going to be viewing 2013 as an investment year, which I think scared a lot of people off. Um, maybe those people looking for a quick buck, but we tend to see a little bit more of a long term uh, picture here at the Fool. And so, from last quarter into this quarter, it looks like the company's really just just firing on all cylinders. Eight uh, percent growth in North America, but it was extra strength in China this quarter with forty percent growth. Uh, in sales, which I think is just phenomenal. Uh, They continue to accelerate the acquisition of key Asian uh, distributors, which is going to make the company more vertical. It's going to give them more control over their supply chain, which I think is important for the long run, especially for a well-managed company like, like Coach, with CEO Lou Frankfurt. Uh, they are going to buy back more shares, which we, we tend to look at those on a case by case basis here. And in Coach's case, I think it's it's they're doing a good job of buying back shares. And I was going to say because that, that
0: caught my eye in mm-hmm. uh, in the announcement, and I'm just wondering like what kind of track record does Coach have? when And it comes so to buying here's back the shares? way
1: I look at that: number one is are the shares cheap, or do they represent a fair value? And I think that, given his long term picture, yes, I think the shares represent a very compelling value today at around like 14 times earnings. Uh, but then we go one step further, look at the balance sheet of the past five, uh, over the past five years. They've brought share count down uh, more than fifteen percent, and a lot of times that's really that's one of the gauges you want to use. Is not only how much are they spending on buybacks, but how much are they bringing the share count down? Because if the share count staying basically flat, then we know they're just offsetting dilution. Now some companies are very honest about that; and others try to kind of pull the wool over your eyes. Coach is just doing a great job in returning value to shareholders between their dividend p- uh, policy and their share buybacks, and so uh, I look for a lot of good things to come. The legacy line is rolling out they got a big holiday season coming up here and what's the legacy line the legacy line the is, legacy there. is the new line thing of, yeah the men's and women's goods from wallets and bags to briefcases and belts and everything in between so uh a little is, bit more of a traditional look, I think, and it's it's being very well received.
0: Is that just is Coach one of those brands that's just an automatic slam dunk if you're looking to buy something for your wife? I don't wanna...
1: ever like to say it's automatic, but I'd say yes, it's automatic. Yes.
0: <laughs> Joe, you agree with that? Is that is that like
1: we've already established? I don't do anything nice for my wife. <laughs>
0: that's right. I think that was
1: a few episodes ago, but yeah, definitely, it's it's a good it's a failsafe. If you can't come up with a good idea, get her a Coach gift card, and you'll at least be sleeping in the same bed that evening. I love my wife very. Much much.
0: <laughs> Apropos of nothing. Uh finally Radio Shack's third quarter loss was wait for it. Bigger than expected. Uh same store sales yeah. declined, margins shrank. Uh here's what I don't understand. Pre before the market opened, shares were down sixteen percent. That's not the shocker. Right before we started taping, they were back up to the point where they were they were up a couple of yeah. points. A little odd. It is a little odd, but uh, I don't know. I, do, are there people out there who are long-term bulls on Radio
1: Shack? So if we had a a sound bite of a train whistle and we could just drag it out into slow motion, I think that would be perfect for this for this spot because Radio Shack is the longest, slowest train wreck I think I've seen in quite some time, and I don't I don't think it's getting any better. And I you know I've looked at this company uh, for a while now, trying to figure out what out they may have, and I just don't see much. Uh, revenues are just getting hammered. Uh, margins are just getting squeezed to no end. The company just took out another one hundred million dollar term loan with Wells Fargo last quarter uh, to aid in a big slug of debt that's coming due here in two thousand and thirteen. Yeah, usurious rates. Oh, it was eleven percent. It was 11%, 11%. Yeah, at, at, in a zero percent rate environment. Yeah, and so you know you have to wonder, like now, is Wells Fargo looking back at that loan and thinking, hmm, maybe we shouldn't have done that, but. You know who knows? I mean, the company, interestingly enough, does have some assets on the balance sheet. Net assets are around six hundred sixty million. A lot of that is in inventory, and I don't know really how. Yeah, you can just liquidate all those calculator batteries. <laughs> I don't know how relevant that inventory is today. Uh, the coverage ratio for this company is like point one, which is just absurdly bad. That means they can't cover their finances. Uh, I, they don't own their own property; they lease virtually all of their retail operations. So I just don't know what. You kind of wonder if there's an equity you know, firm out there that might come in and just try to swoop this thing up off the off the you know on the cheap here and, and make something out of it. But I don't even know that they really have anything in order to solicit an offer like that. So I, I just don't see any out for this company.
2: Yeah, and they haven't been standing still either. Like they've been shifting the model. They're now working a lot more towards phones. I'm sure and if yeah. you guys have been by Radio Shack, you've seen that. Problem is, that's killing margins. Uh, Gross margins are down from 42% to 35% year over year. I mean, that is a real sucker punch. And I definitely don't think that, on the one hand, chasing mobile phone sales seems to make sense today, even though it's lower margin. In the long term, though, it's a total commoditized good. I don't know why I would go to Radio Shack to buy a phone. I don't think anyone thinks of them in those terms. No, Mac, Mac did. Our
0: producer, Matt Greer. <laughs> right, sorry. Mac Choo, did. <laughs> Jason Moser, Joe Maker. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.